Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, and Dave. And Mike, how are you? Um, I'm doing well. I've had a few days to process some shit. And oh, God, I, I told you I wasn't going to swear right off the bat. <laughs> I'm doing well. I've had a few days to nine words, nine words. It took me. <laughs> uh, Mike told us well, before this recording, he was, he was not going to swear during this episode. So way to go, Mike. You broke no, the seal yeah. Right. Now that that raccoon's out of the bag, <laughs> you know, you're not stuffing it back in. I can tell you that. Um, All right. So no, I, it's okay. Uh, work's been kind of shit, but I was, uh, um, you know, I was on call this weekend and I did get to, uh, Actually, in between my cases, I got to uh, watch this lovely match with no sound on. So uh, I, I uh, well, the first half, no sound. The second half, I got to have sound. Um, so um, I don't know what was being said. It's kind of interesting, but we'll get into that. Other than that, I'm doing fantastic. All right, very good. Steve, how are you? No, not too bad. Just been doing a lot of... Um, QA at work. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, I get to try to figure out why something is broken with absolutely no context. It's a lot of fun in the uh, kind of same torturous way that watching Spurs recently has been. There may be something there. We, we might have to come back to that. Steve, Steve, you call it QA, right? Is that qual- qualitative <laughs> analysis? Is that what that is? Well, it's quantitative assurance in this case. Fair enough. There's a lot of Q's and A's we could work with. We might have to come up with an episode there. Anyway, um, good to see you, Steve. And, <laughs> and let's get let's get right to it, boys. Um, crappy, crappy weekend. And uh, in my situation, there's a piece of the the match that I can't really speak to. I was was invested in the first 70 minutes or so, and then got pulled away and and was not invested in the final 20 minutes, which were the 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 things where everything fell off the rails for the most part. So uh, I'm going to rely on you to um, detail the misery in that regard. And it seems like rather than chicken, little Bob Marley, which is our favorite segment right behind. um, Hey Mike, what you drinking, which is coming up later this week. It seems like we're due for chicken, little chicken, little. So I'm going to let old Mikey start first because Mikey gets mad when I let Steve go first and Steve just hammers at home. And then Mike doesn't have anything left to say. So Mike, you are on tap, my friend. Uh, tell here's us why the, the sky is, is falling. The, well, I'm going to tell you why the sky is falling, but Steve just Steve just comes in. And he, he takes, like, the few hot takes that I have and just, you know, he, he just nails – he hammers that nail in every single time. And it's like every time he does it, like, I feel like it's going through my toe to get to the block of wood. So uh, this time I'm not gonna, probably not going to steal any of his hot takes, but um, – <clears throat> You know, typical Spurs fashion, um, you start off slow. Um, everybody on the field looks slow, uh, especially with no sound on. So I have I have no context how the crowd is feeling, um, you know, what it's what it's like in the stadium or um, or on or on the pitch with the players. But all I know is that everything looks like it's going in slow motion. I even like tapped a little button on my because i was watching on my phone i tapped a little button on my phone that said go live like four times to see if it was like lagging um so typical spurs fashion first 10 minutes are very very slow going um you know it it looked like it looked like we were trying to feel them out see what kind of what kind of tactics they were playing they knew what kind of tactics we were playing we we basically gave them a fucking blueprint because we didn't play any of these players in the midweek. So they knew exactly what was going to happen. So David Moyes had plenty of time to get, get ready for whatever Spurs were going to throw at him. Um, and we could talk about Declan Rice later, what he said after, uh, after the game. But um, I, I think that like in the very beginning of the game, I thought I thought Spurs were slow, and then they picked up the pace a little bit. They're holding a lot of possession, which I like. Um, the only thing is that the possession was like all in the midfield, and and you know the back the the back of the midfield on, on closer to closer to our third of the 
of the field. And it, it so you, a lot of what you saw was Dyer to Skip, back to Dyer, back to Hoiberg, back to Dyer, back to Skip, you know, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And every once in a while, you know, you'd see something open up. They try and get a long ball to, to Reg, Regulon and who either immediately loses the ball or the ball goes flying over his head out of bounds. I don't think they hit one of those big diagonal crosses at all. Um, Dyer, Dyer looked like he was doing pretty well. I mean, he had those passes down. He just, they, they just weren't connecting. Um, he did play one up, up the middle through like fucking four guys. Uh, it was a beautifully threaded pass, um, which Ndombele, uh didn't really handle, and um, and had to and had to pass it back to uh, I think it was Hoiberg uh, or no it was Skip. He passed it back to, but I mean, uh, other than that, it looked like Spurs were looking to kind of figure out a way through their defensive midfield, and. Uh, I honestly, the entire game, I didn't feel threatened by West Ham United at all. I, I like, I didn't feel nervous about it. I just figured, I figured, oh, they're going to figure it out at some point. You know, you had Sun walking around out there. You had Harry Kane walking around out there. Um, I don't think Emerson had a particularly great game. I think once he gets, once he gets in trouble, I think he panics a little bit. Um, doesn't know what to do when he's got a guy racing at him. Um, it, then uh, you end up, you know, I, I think that Reggie's a, Reggie's good. Um, I think he's had a good couple of games in a row. Um, I, I think our best players really were Romero and Dyer. And I think they're really, they're, they're really fitting into a situation where they're comfortable with each other and they know, they know the skills that, that each other, that each other have to, to move the ball forward or to, to, to defend when they have to. I think Spurs overall defended really well. It's just they couldn't get anything accomplished because they couldn't ever figure out that midfield. Uh, lots of times, uh, you know, you, you need Tangy to be that guy, that number 10, who's going who's gonna, to um, push the ball forward and push the action, get the ball into the box. But he's lots of times because of the way that we're passing back and forth and back and forth and, and ping-ponging laterally, he found him. It seemed like he found himself like way too, way too far up where he at that point couldn't progress the ball enough to through, through their midfield to, to make anything happen. Um, I didn't see Harry Kane making any spectacular runs. He, he really missed that ball to son. Um, we can talk about Lucas. Lucas looked like again, and I hate to say it, but Lucas looked like the only guy out there who was working his ass off, but in typical Lucas fashion, you know, would try and do too much of the ball and end up losing the ball immediately because he's dribbling into three fucking guys. You know, you, you're always going to beat those first two guys if you're quick like him, but you're, you're not always going to, you know, beat that, beat that last guy. Um, and I think West Ham was prepared for what we were going to do. Um, so that said, you know, Spurs have real big fucking problems. I mean, real big problems. It looked like with Newcastle, we were gonna we were coming out of the out of the woods. Uh, we had a clear plan of what we wanted to do. I think we still do. We can't figure out a way to execute that plan. Uh, the defense is getting better, but it, it's it's doesn't mean shit if you can't score. We can't rely on Son and Kane to be the guys scoring for us every single fucking game. It just won't work, and it's not working. We have to figure something else out. Um, and obviously, Nuno doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. That's that is my takeaway from all of this: is he doesn't know what he's doing. He makes changes in the 85th minute when we're down. Uh, my guess is he probably should have made cha made changes. Probably Lacelso for Ndombele, heel for for Lucas um, earlier on, right after that goal, probably. And then, you know, I mean, we could talk about that goal all we want because it was 195% Harry Kane's fault for not giving a fuck to do anything, marking his man in front of the goal. I mean, that ball came in and we're shit on set pieces anyway. That ball came in and guess what happened? All he had to do was stick his goddamn foot out and Steve called it that he was going to be the one to score. 
He called it last week. It was going to be some bullshit goal. And sure, sure enough, he stuck his fucking toe out. And what happened? They scored because Harry Kane didn't even fucking bother to put a push onto the man. Um, so Harry Kane's fault, Nuno's fault. I am right now fully Nuno out. Fully out of my fucking club. I'm angry. Sorry. I thought I had some days to, to hey, Mike. Press. You swore oh, 10 times during that little rant. Did you know that? Oh, you were, you were, you were just counting. Oh, I love it. Did you I'm have good. like a little chalkboard? Like, like, no, give me just my hand. Yeah. And then when I got to five. I had to go to a new hand, you know, but uh, yeah, 10. So, hey, that, that resolution. I'll, I'll drop really 10 well. quarters in the jar for you. We'll get them next week, buddy. We'll get them next week for sure. Um, a lot there. And I, and, and I want to give, uh, I want to give Steve a chance to both respond and add, and then I got some thoughts to share later, but Mike, I do want to throw this out to you. So we came up with the San, the Sanchero, uh, tagline a while back. That's clearly not working out, right? Like Davinson ever since the last, um, the last international break, like that whole thing has been blown. So are we at Dimero now or is it oh, uh nice. is it Ro Meyer? I don't like that one. That just doesn't that doesn't flow off the tongue. So is it Dimero? Is it is that the Romeric? Romeric. Romeric. Romeric has a nice ring to it. It's got it's got an Eastern European flair, kind of like yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, okay. You could you could some you can maybe figure out some way to uh, fit uh cootie in there too if you want. Yeah. But I think Romero. Kuteric? Yeah, Kuteric could be an option, right? <laughs> All right. Steve, respond to Mike and do your thing. Let's hear what you got, man. Did he leave any takes for you? He well, yeah, he did. Um of course I did. Mostly mostly because I'm I'm still pissed off about how he handled the midweek fixture. You know, like it's it's one thing to rotate, but there was just some sort of fucking arrogance to just straight up not bringing anybody who can be an impact player uh, in a game where just to remind everybody you get first in the group, you're through, you get second in the group. It's a playoff to see if you're through, you don't want second. You definitely don't want to be in third, which is where we are now. And yeah, we got three games left, but what have we seen that makes us feel like we can, you know, do the business that we need to do? Cause I don't feel confident in that at all. I think it was a mistake leaving all those players back. And I feel vindicated in saying that it was a bullshit idea last week when the squad that played on, on Sunday went out and looked like they were the ones who had just played a full 90 minutes in a hard fought loss there. They were so fucking lazy. It was just unbelievable and credit where it's due there was a period between like the the maybe 15th minute um through the end of the first half where they actually looked pretty good they looked like you know it was just a matter of time i don't know what the halftime talk was like but i swear to god it must have been all right guys game over let's uh let's head home and then somebody reminded nuno that there was another 45 minutes and he just said well you know whatever i'm kind of uh, I've kind of accepted a draw. So let's just go and play for the draw. And then we, we end up, you know, conceding a bullshit goal and, and lose the thing that's been eating at me though. Michael Antonio is by far their, their top scorer in the league. Why the fuck do you have Harry Kane marking him? Why not Romero? That seems like it would be the, the more natural thing. Maybe, you know, it's because he's a little taller and, you know, they're afraid of that, that aerial ball, but. Steve, can I interrupt you for just a second on that too? I, I, I want to ask you guys a question related to Antonio. Do you guys have what I have where like with every team in the league, when we approach a game with them, I say to myself, like, I know who the guys are who have hurt us before. And those same guys are the ones who always hurt us every time. And Antonio is the guy with West Ham, right? Like, do you guys think about it the same way? Do you, do you, like, if, if you're the coach, if you're the manager, aren't you saying we got to take care of this guy so that we don't have something bad happen? Steve, do you do that? Of course you, like, Antonio's a good fucking player. Like, he's a really good player. He is. I'd take him over Kane right now. Fucking right. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to swear more, I think. <laughs> that was like 11, 12, or 13. I'm not sure which. But yeah, I, I, I'm I, done counting. We're double right, digits. No, I, I, I would 
I would take him over Harry Kane right now, 100%. 100%. Steve, I mean, sorry for the interruption there, man. I just had to ask. To, to be fair, I would take my grandmother over Harry Kane right now, and she's like in her 70s. So, Well, he's only got one Premier League goal more than she has, if, if we're being honest, right? That's true. That's true. And she's got spirit. You know, she's a, she's a feisty lady. I'm sure she, she doesn't give up. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other thing that really kind of frustrated me offensively, it looked like everything was going through the middle. You know, Mike had called out that they were trying those diagonals out to the wings that just weren't working. But outside of that, you had Lucas making runs in centrally. You had Kane trying to make runs centrally. You had Ndombele trying to make a run centrally. When everybody's in the center, there's no, like you're, you're doing their West Ham's job for them. You're just making it so compact and easy to defend. It's just like, at some point, somebody, you know, maybe if there was a, a, I don't know, a position on the team that was responsible for managing the tactics, uh, seeing things that were going wrong on the field and then asking the players to adjust, maybe that role exists. I'm not sure. Is that the manager? Is that, is that the role you're thinking of? You know what? I think it is. I think it is, Dave. I think it yeah. is. Um, no adjustments, nothing. It was just a lot of, you know, we're going to do the same thing over and over again and hope for the best. And sometimes it works. You know, it works when you're playing a team like Newcastle that doesn't want to pressure you at all um, and gives you the time and space to think about what you're going to do. You know, in those situations, it's fine. But when you're playing a team that's actually going to be competitive and and try, push, and you know, do a whole bunch of, uh, you know, keeping people away from your goal doesn't work so well. You kind of need a plan B. I don't think we had a plan B. I have yet to see a plan B from Nuno this season. And it's really fucking frustrating um, because, you know, we'll be sitting here as, as just, you know, armchair analysts looking at the game and thinking, you know, after 50, 55, 60 minutes, these are the three changes that need to happen. You know, we, we can see this pretty clearly. We're not experts, right? And inevitably, the three people, you know, you had mentioned La Celso coming on, Hill coming on. We got those. But to your point, it was like the 85th minute. There's no time for any of them to, to fucking do anything. To, 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 Nuno, to defend Nuno a little bit, Steve, though, he did have them out there ready to play at the 81st minute. Except we we let fucking four or five minutes go by just fucking kicking the ball around instead instead of getting our subs on they weren't we weren't making any any runs into the in, into the center off the off the diagonal passes nothing we weren't doing anything but bouncing the ball back and forth and West Ham you know I they, I feel like that they were just like well shit we were really expecting a, a super a super tough attack out of Spurs. So they're not doing that. So fuck it. We'll just sit here. Yeah. We're happy. We're happy to just sit here in the midfield and, and watch them fuck over themselves because they can't, they can't figure out a way to get through us. You know, it was, it was easy defending for them and they were fine with it. I, I, I feel like that they're a team that thrive on, on a little bit of chaos in, the, in their defensive side and then and then hit you with a counterattack. And they're also very good on set pieces and we're not. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Continue bitching. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Mostly because you're hitting on all the same frustrations that I have. So I feel even more vindicated. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. It feels like Nuno at times is, is like playing FIFA you know, where he thinks that it doesn't matter when these people go on or off or who he uses, like all you're looking at is their raw stats and, oh, well, I got, you know, this guy's a ranked 75, so I'm just going to swap this guy out. And it's like, it's a like for like, and it just doesn't work that way. Um, you know, Winks, after the uh, the midweek defeat, he made a comment. Uh, well, first he, he, you know, said that they didn't do well and obviously he needs to do better you know, all the things that you would expect somebody to say who hasn't been getting a lot of playtime. But he also made a comment that I found very interesting. Um, And it was, I'm going to paraphrase here, but it was something along the lines of, it's very difficult when you don't have very much game time to go out there and try to perform at the highest level. 
And, you know, there's a part of me that was like, yeah, well, you know, you're not getting game time because you haven't been great. You know, you've been really poor when you've had the opportunity. But the more I think about it, you know, there is some truth to that. You put 11 players out there who play once every other week, maybe, right, in the conference league. It's not like, you know, it's not training. It's an actual game. They're going up against opponents who have, you know, been specifically instructed to, to counter them. And they're lost every time they're out there. You see individuals trying to do something by themselves because they, they don't have the trust in their teammates. They're not sure what their teammates want of them or what their teammates are going to do when they have the ball. It's, I, I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but tactics is not his strong suit. It, it honestly feels like he's just gambling with half of these games that it's just going to go our way. You know, we'll get a little lucky. Um, you know, if we keep if we keep the other team from scoring, eventually something has got, you know, maybe they'll slip. Um, you know, we'll see like a, a Steven Gerrard moment where we'll just slip and it'll be clean and on goal, something like that. You can't count on luck. You need to have a plan and a backup plan and, and a backup to the backup. You know, you're, you're not playing a computer. You're playing another team that's full of people who who are intuitive. They can react. They understand what's going on. You need to be prepared for that. You know, I, I mentioned it, what, a week or two ago? Chaos is what you need. If the other team doesn't understand what you're doing because you've got players swapping sides, you've got players making unusual runs, that's when they're going to make mistakes. They're not going to make mistakes when everybody is running towards the same spot on the field. Then all they have to do is just stand there and, and that's it. They've defended piece of cake. Like it, it's nothing. So I like Mike, I am fully Nuno out. The problem is who do you, who do you get right now? <laughs> you know, you can't even bring Ryan Mason and he's probably on his way somewhere else soon. Yeah, I think I heard uh, Extra Inch today said he's headed for Charlton Athletic, maybe. Does that sound Something, right? Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I actually, I haven't listened to them yet. I, I feel bad. I, I I do tend to like listen to my podcast, but I knew that we were recording and I don't like to be kind of influenced by one podcast or another. Um, you didn't want to so poison the well, did you, Mike? You wanted to be pure. You wanted to, you wanted to come into this pure. I always do because I want to, I want to like listen to myself and then go back and listen to them and be like, man, I'm fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right. I, I got to, can we talk about what Declan Rice said? Um, yeah, I, I have a question in response to something Steve said. Yeah. So Mike, your call, you want to do Rice now or? No, you do, go do your question. It's fine. Yeah. So here's my question, Steve. And maybe this is for both of you to respond to. Um, I'm going to acknowledge I am, I, I have a number of thoughts, including later on, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a Bob Marley stance. Um, okay. so well, we'll do that later. You're Bob you know, Marley. I spent, I spent my car ride home today, like from work thinking through this, which, which side do I land on? And I was split dead even. Um, so I, I just, I just want to take that other stance just, just for the sake of taking it. But that okay. said, Steve, I want to I want to call BS on a concept. I'm not calling BS on you. I want to call BS on a concept. And the concept is this notion that these guys who probably spend 10 to 12 hours a day together, nine months of the year, who practice together every day during the course of that time, who who room in hotels together, who hang out, eat lunch together, they break bread like these these guys are forced to be buds. I struggle with this concept that you can't throw guys on the field and all of a sudden, well, we haven't had time to work together. I don't know your tendencies. I don't know what, what you respond well to, et cetera. And, and maybe I'm a, an ignorant American douchebag. Maybe that's what it is. Go ahead and go and call it that way. Right. But Mike, if I think about your upbringing and my upbringing as, as American football players, there's this concept of next man up, right? When somebody gets hurt, there's somebody else ready to take their spot. And that somebody who takes their spot damn well better come in and know the deal, know the plays, know what's expected, have put the time in and practice and be able to fit into the squad and make something happen. And I really that's struggle with this concept. That's that, why I learned all of the passing routes and all the running back routes. I was absolutely. A big, I was absolutely. a lineman, but I, I didn't play their positions, but I knew what they did. 
you knew everything because you might have to be the quarterback one day and it's going to be treacherous, <laughs> but you might have to be the quarterback one day. And you so that's where I struggle. I'm not trying to jump back to Vitesse, but I struggle. Romero with this wanted whole, to like, play striker this week. So yeah, he sure did. He showed that <laughs> <laughs> Dyer screamed and yelled at him too. Which yeah, was he funny. did. Um, but like, I struggle with this whole, like these guys haven't had time together. That's bullshit. They have had time together. They live together. They're together all the time. And so I just want to, Am I being a, a harsh idiot American in that analysis, or so is there something special about soccer that that is different than other sports? Think about basketball, right? I think about I think about I grew up in Chicago during the '90s Bulls era, right? Fantastic time to be a a, a guy in high school growing up in Chicago, high school and college. Um, you got an entire bench of 12 guys on those NBA teams and every single one of those guys is seeing the court and not a single one of those guys is saying, well, I don't have enough time with the starters to make this happen. No, you get your tail out there and you execute. And if you don't execute, your tail doesn't get out there again. So I've done a little mini rant long enough. You guys have an opinion on what I just shared? So, yeah, um, here's my take on it. You know, um, I think it's, it's one of two things. The, the more likely for me is it's a comfort thing. Like, you know, you, you guys played football. I don't think either of you were kickers, right? If, if I would have loved to be, that'd be cool. But no, no, we were grunt guys. We, you're we, in the middle, we you know, yeah. if you're in the middle of a game and, and coach says, you know, you know, you're up, you got to kick a field goal. Do you have confidence in yourself to have been able to get out there and do that? You damn well go out there and give it your best. Wouldn't you Mike? You give it your yeah. best. And you'd say, I'm putting this thing through because, because it's only 40 yards. I can, I, I can make that work. Yeah. If it was going to, if it was going to help my team, I'd go out there and I'd poke my kicker in the eye. Sure. Sure. But, but it's not your specialty. You know, you're more likely to shank it. You're more likely to, you know, kick the guy who's holding the ball for you. But Steve, which of these guys is being asked not to do his specialty? Like, was well, Gio Celso being asked to not do his specialty? Was that's exactly my point. I don't think some of these people are being played in positions that optimize their strengths. And Winks, for example, they keep putting him at a defensive mid. He is not a defensive midfielder. He's garbage at being a defensive midfielder. He's somebody who needs to be able to be a little more central and, and not have as much going back on his shoulders. Lo Celso should have been up in the number 10 position where Delhi was. Delhi shouldn't have been anywhere near the field because let's face it, he's been crap every single time he's been out there. You um, the weights again though. <laughs> yeah. But Lacelso, you know, they had him back. He he's he's you see him for Argentina. He's that guy who needs to be up by the attackers to play those quick one-twos, you know, tear through that defense but you've got him playing more of like this box to box type role, which just doesn't suit his skill set. Dane Scarlett is 17 years old. Like this guy, this kid isn't in the position where he should be going up against established center backs. You know, I, yeah, he got fucking trucked in the midweek. I mean, I, he was coming off the field almost in tears. Yeah. So did you so, see, I don't know if you saw his face, but he was almost in tears. Uh, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, but you know, we, uh, with Dane Scarlett, the guy likes Dane Scarlett. We have another guy, um, um, Mark and who's coming up too, who's way more ready than Dane Scarlett. So, I mean, you have to, you have to think of who you, who you have to fill those roles that, that you need them to fill. And, and you can talk about Harry Winks all you want, but that guy, he's just not a good footballer anymore. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't play soccer anymore. So, so I, I, I agree with you completely. These guys should be on the same wavelength, especially considering a number of them have been at the club for so long together, you know. But at the same point, I don't think Nuno's doing himself any favors by whatever lack of tactics he's trying to throw out there. I don't think he's optimizing anybody's strengths. I think he's trying to force a, a formation force a style of play that doesn't suit the players that he has available. Um, we see that in the first team more often than not. And when you're going to the reserve squad, the B team, it's even worse because you've got players who are even further away from his preferred style who are being asked to play in this way. I just don't think, you know, for me, the players do have quite a bit of blame in this, but Nuno's the one who's not doing himself any favors by rolling out whatever bullshit we're seeing uh, over the last couple of weeks now. 
you know, you know, the other problem, Steve, with, with him having a completely rotated squad versus mixing and matching. Um, I, I understand what he is going for, but what I don't understand is, is why he did what he did because leaving those guys at home and just allowing them to stay at home doesn't give him a chance to train with those guys that he's going to have to play in the, during the week or in the league game versus during the week. So he's left his whatever half-assed fucking assistants are left there at Hotspur way to train with the, with the starting 11 that he's going to use in, in, at West Ham to go coach a, a, a group of U23s. I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well use the U23 coach, you know, to, to go coach in Europe and stay home with your team and train them for this game that's coming up in the league. Because guess what? You can go to fucking Europe if you want and, and play in your conference league game. But if you don't win that game on the weekend, you're not going to play out of that conference league for next year. You're going to end up in the conference league again or fucking God for that godforsaken Europa tournament too. So, I mean, you, that's not your aim. Your aim is top four. Your aim is Champions League. I think Nuno is making fucking mistakes left and right. He doesn't know how to correct them. And he's going to find his ass on the fucking street any second. I mean, I think, I think he loses to Burnley and he loses to, to United and he's out. He's you gone. Guys, you guys may be right. I guess I just want to say this. And I, so I am here's not your Bob Marley. I want to hear your Bob no. Marley. Right All right. Well, yeah, let me go to that. But let me, let me say something. That, I just yeah. want to acknowledge the biggest travesty of all is that we lost to Nate. Of we lost to people. Nate. Damn. <laughs> what a fucking disappointment. No, you know what the biggest travesty, Steve, is is I have a I have a son named Nate who is a phenomenal kid. And the fact that the the villain on the villain on uh the the best show on television, Ted Lasso, the fact that his name is Nate, just that sucks. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I want to make a comment and then I'll get to my Bob Marley. My comment is I'm I'm not a Nuno apologist by any means. Um, I do appreciate his his balding head of hair and graying uh, healthy beard, because, you know, for those of you who can't see me right now, that's basically what I look like. Um, so I appreciate that, but I, me again, I'm a dumb American. I'm happy to say it. I'm going to go back to my, my experience as a kid um, from about fourth grade until I was a college graduate getting to see Michael Jordan play basketball. The person I would consider to be the best player of all time as a basketball player. We could have that debate. That, that's fine. But you know what? Michael Jordan never failed to function because of the system he was asked to play in. Michael Jordan never failed to be the best person on the court because of that. And I really struggle with a guy that we like to call the best striker in the pr Premier League and maybe the world or among the the top two or three in, in the world who can't function if the system doesn't suit him. And I have a really hard time making the, the connection from sport to sport for why that doesn't work. And maybe, maybe I'm just short-sighted and don't see it. And, and, and soccer slash football is more complex, but I don't know. I think if you're, if you're that caliber of player and we have other caliber of, of players that should be on that level too, to blame it on the system, to, to say it's the coach that's the reason why these guys can't can't make things happen, I I just struggle to see that that's the reality. So I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that. We, we've had that argument. We've, we've had that argument, and and um, and I still think it's on the coach to do the to do the job he's there for. Um, he's not really even just he's not even really called the coach, right? He's the manager. He's there to manage his players, and when you're not when you're not managing the players and 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 teaching them your system um, and, and getting them getting them to play to their strengths within your system, then you're not doing your job. But I, I completely also agree with your your Michael Jordan analogy. Um, he and you know guys like him and and uh, Kobe Bryant, um, uh, Tom Brady, a uh, Peyton Manning, they're just wired differently. I don't think that Harry Kane is wired that way. I think yeah. Harry Kane is a fucking prima donna. Um, he just is. And, you know, he's he he apparently doesn't have the mental toughness to play through any kind of an issue that he has 
with his coach, with the system, with whatever, um, with his injuries. He just doesn't have the mental toughness that I, that a, a killer like Kobe Bryant or a killer like Michael Jordan, you know, um, Larry Bird, another one, like you would hear stories about them telling the opponent what they're going to do to them and then doing it, you know, precisely. precisely. You don't, you don't, you don't hear that out of, out of Harry Kane. Right. Yeah. And Mike, it's funny. I don't know the dictionary definition of prima donna, but if I were to define it, it's, it's someone who, when things don't go their way, they just don't make anything happen. And right. I, I agree. I think that's, and then they complain about it and they complain about it and, and blame it on the system. And I think that's what our striker does, or that's what people who enable our striker do. And maybe that's a bad take or somebody would disagree, but Hey, whatever, it's all good. Hey, let me get Bob Marley on you. Um, here's my, here's my take on this. Not a Nuno apologist. Uh, I've said from the beginning, I'll be shocked if Nuno's here after two years, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone after one and who knows, uh, he could be gone mid-year. I saw Steve throw a few proposals out for a, a January coach transfer. So I'm, I'm okay with that, but, but I do want to say this. I believe that our current um, standing on the table, I think we're sixth on the table at the moment. That may be the highest standing that Nuno Espirito Santo has ever had in the premier league. I believe the highest his wolves finished was seventh. Uh, on a couple of occasions, could be wrong, but but he's on the best team he's ever been a part of, number one. Um, number two, I think he's doing exactly what he was brought in to do. I, we kind of downplayed it a little bit earlier, but our our back four is remarkably solidified compared to what we've, we've experienced the last couple of years. I love the Romero edition. I like the Royale edition. I love how Sergio is growing into his his role. I would love to see him get on the on the score sheet, but um, he's, he's growing into his role. I like our back four with uh Dimero or um, what are we, what Kuteric or whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> Romeric. Uh, I, you know, I think our, our defensive mids, when you look at Hoy, Hoy and Skip, I, I think they're flawed at times. I saw Hoy walking around on Sunday in some ways that really annoyed me and bothered me, but, but they're solid and steady. So that defensive like six, I'm, I'm happy with, and I understand the concept of building a team based on defense and, and that offense comes later on. I do have concerns about our over-reliance on our, our three forward players and um, expecting all the goals to come from them and that being problematic. But I actually think that from the standpoint of stabilizing things after Mourinho left, um, I think Nuno's doing what he was, what he was brought in to do and he wasn't brought in to be the long, the long-term guy. I also think that even though I disagree with the concept of the A squad, B squad type of thing. Um, I think our B squad was exposed midweek. And if I'm looking at the long term, I think it shows with some of these guys that we've been holding out hope that, oh, Winks, he, he just needs this, or Delhi, he just needs that. Uh, I, I think it just shows that it's time to cut bait with some of these guys. And it, it shows that Scarlett doesn't belong on the first team roster, the, the kid needs a loan, he, you know, he got the crap beat out of him and he needs a loan to go and kind of build up his confidence and, and start to establish himself. Uh, I think that Mark Candy kid is, is showing some, some promise and some talent. Maybe he's first team ready. Maybe he needs a quality loan to a championship side where he can, he can, you know, he's do what Skippy did really like too, right? Right now. Yeah. He had another couple yeah. goals the other night. Like, so, so I think like, he's you know, good, if I'm, he is. And if, if I'm looking at our, our first team squad, seeing us stabilized defensively, seeing Ndombele, a guy who didn't even play a minute in the, in the preseason. And I was thinking like, he's, he's maybe out the door, you know, what's going to happen with Tangi, but Tangi is coming into himself when he, when he has the opportunities, seeing what our new acquisitions are doing, seeing the potential there. Um, of course, I'd love to have the Harry Kane thing resolved or gone. And I still think the best end game for that is gone. I'd like to see Harry Kane playing for another team and us capitalizing on, on that in some way to build this, build the squad for the future. But I just see a lot of, I love a lot of potential and a, a lot of obvious areas where we need to make moves that I think nobody can argue with anymore. So in that sense, yeah, today sucks to be a Spurs supporter. Uh, but in the long game, um, I think we're on the exact trajectory that we have been projected to be on all along. Let's add to that that we are not a team that is relying on um, crooked and uh, 
poorly acquired billionaire dollars to come in and run our squad. We're a sustainably run team with good assets in place that will make money for the long term. We are well positioned to be a solid team that is is never at risk of financial trauma in the future because we're well built. And there are other teams that are on the verge of either collapse or being to- taken over by billionaires. Does that mean we won't be taken over by billionaires someday? No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, I think I think Levy will sell for the right price to whomever. I don't know that he's all that all that concerned about it. But it's a crappy day, but it's not a crappy future. I think to to be a Spurs fan, um, and I think there are some things that are oriented in the right direction. Not a Nuno apologist, but that's where I am. Reactions? So here's the, here's the problem. Um, if we're going to be bought out, who are we going to be bought out by? Who is, who is Levy going to sell to? Is he going to sell to, to oil money? And if he is, are you going to be okay with that? Is he going to sell to a nation state? And if he is, are you going to be okay with that? Um, I don't think you're going to find a, a European billionaire that, uh, that isn't tied to some sort of oligarchy or, or you know, oil money or um, nation-state money. I don't think you're going to find a European billionaire to do that. Um, so then you've got to turn to the American billionaires and do you want, want your team run by an American conglomerate of of millionaires and billionaires i.e you know liverpool um with the fenway group uh it's in you know in lebron james i mean who do you want to sell to uh you you know you're not going to sell to a group of like celebrities right it's even celebrities don't have that type of money you know you're not you're not like uh, so, like Ryan name? Reynolds and the guy from uh, Always no, Sunny I was going to say the guy from Always Sunny, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> that team with Ryan Reynolds, um, like, so I, who are you going to sell to? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see. So, Tottenham supporters are very socially conscious people, uh, typically. I, uh, and I don't think they're going to, it's not going to sit well with them to be sold to an oligarchy or to somebody who's had atrocities on the world stage the way that the Saudi government has and bought into Newcastle. Of course, Newcastle supporters love the money coming in, but uh, I don't know that they love the idea of who it, who it comes from. Who knows? But, you know... It, I'd, I'd rather, I guess, sell to an American, but you know that's not going to sit well either with Spurs fans. So, what do you want to do? You may see sit there and say Levy out, Enoch out, but what the fuck do you want to do? You know who you're going to sell to? You don't have anybody to sell to because if it's Jeff Bezos, you're going to be pissed. If it's if it's the Sultan of fucking Egypt or whatever, I don't I don't know their politics, but uh, Libya, you know, I mean you're not going to like that either. You know, the only way you're going to like it is if fucking, you know, you have some, the fucking spice girls buy your team, you know, <laughs> David Beckham comes in, sells into Miami so he can buy Spurs. You know, that's the only way you're going to be fucking happy, you know, and he'll get that money because he's uh, apparently, apparently we, we want, we want Moose and Dembele to come in and buy the team. Right. So he can, magically get out there and play central midfield for us again i mean i don't i don't understand what people want so um we have to take what we've got and and you know swallow swallow our pride right now it's true mike and and people want us to spend and act like a team with unlimited dollars right but they don't want us to have the baggage that goes with being a team with unlimited. i don't i don't either like yeah, where's the, where does that book stop? It's a really interesting question. I'd be Steve, fine. What with do you? Bezos. I'd be fine with a Bezos myself. But I what mean, do you think, Steve? I mean, for me, the areas that the squad has needed improvement in, inclusive of the manager, have been well known for a while now. None of this should be a surprise to anybody. We've always needed a backup striker because, you know, it was only a matter of time before Kane either left or threw a tantrum because he didn't get to leave. Um, 
or he got, you know, he's got glass ankles. He gets injured. We're out of luck. We needed that. We didn't get that. We've got Dane Scarlett doing his best, you know, all the, he's, he's not writing for it. We've said that, but all the credit to him, that kid goes out there. He at least tries. Um, the manager search. I mean, that's the one that still pisses me off because we spent so long in the summer looking for candidates to end up with, with Nuno and some of these other guys that we were looking at are, are doing quite well for themselves, um, you know, in their roles. Uh, the, the one that kind of stands out the most is, is Potter. He's, his Brighton team are above us in the table. They've been playing pretty well. It would have been great to have had him over Nuno. Um, you know, Ten Hogs doing well, of course, but Ajax is like the, that team. Um, you know, I had mentioned uh, to you guys, you know, I'd wanted... Uh, Gaultier, uh, back when he was at, at Lille in, in France, they won the league. He's at, at Nice now, and they're in third in the league. Like, they're doing well, too. Like, he's got them in a good spot. So it, it's just painful for me to, to know where these areas of improvement are needed and to not see really much effort going into improving those. You know, it really pisses me off every time we're linked to yet another winger. Like, we don't have a billion of those, you know. And no, they're not performing where we would like them to. You know, it would be great if, if Bergwijn was knocking in goals, Lucas was knocking in goals, and it wasn't just Sun and Kane all the time. But for me, getting that, that next striker in there was the more important thing. Getting that creative presence in the midfield was the more important thing. We didn't do those um really you know we were kind of hoping for Ndombele uh to to come off well and there are a couple games this season where he looked like he would do just that and then there are a couple games where he looks like he can't really be bothered um I mentioned it you know a, a little earlier I think Los Celso is being utilized out of position and that's not helping at all because you see he's got the skill um for Argentina why not do something similar you know for the Spurs squad I, I just don't get that. It's the same sort of situation. Uh, uh, somebody like Frankie de Jong's in, uh, at Barcelona where, you know, he's, you see him for the national team, world-class player. When he plays for his club, he looks mediocre at best. You know, the, to me, these are just indicative of, of a poor manager who just doesn't have the ability to get the most out of their players. Um, and yeah, that was also a shot at Komen because I think he's a terrible manager and I have no idea how he is still in charge of, of Barcelona. Um, that just baffles me. I don't know how he fails from, from an Everton reject to that role, but, uh, here we are. So, I mean, you know, and I, I mentioned it to you guys on the WhatsApp for me, best case scenario, whether or not Nuno makes it to January is irrelevant. In January, if you go in for somebody like Marcelo Gallardo uh, out of Argentina, who's supposed to be this, you know, hot up and coming uh, uh, manager, that would be a step up in my opinion. We've got an Argentinian conglomerate already. That just seems like it would naturally benefit us to some to some degree. Um, you know, I'd love to see somebody exciting like that, even if it doesn't work out. I think that's a gamble that's worth taking. Whereas I think Nuno was that that sort of unsexy you know nobody really felt good about it you know we were kind of all just trying to talk ourselves up like maybe this won't be so bad you know um i think somebody like gallardo would be a a, even if it doesn't work out again it it would at least be well they're trying something different you know we're, we're not going for somebody who washed out of a of a lower team we're going for somebody who's, you know, kind of got this, this X factor to them. They're an unknown. Um, it could work out brilliantly. We could find ourselves having the same conversation, you know, three months later where we're looking for him to get sacked and replaced by somebody else. But uh, at some point, I think Levy's got to start taking risks. He's playing it pretty safe most of the time. Um, and, you know, with, with the pandemic and everything, I get that from a financial perspective. We want to maintain our, our sustainable finances. I think that once they came out and said that we're in a good spot, risks needed to start being taken. You're not going to go bankrupt because you bought one or two players for, you know, maybe five, 10 million more than you wanted. You do that consistently, then we'll talk, but you know, just for one 
season where you desperately needed another striker, where you desperately needed uh, somebody to be that creative person to unlock, um, you know, those, those sort of low block defenses, the compact, tight, parked bus. Um, you needed that. We didn't get that. We're not going to get that in January. That's for damn sure. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how Paratici operates in the January window. Um, but for me, first and foremost, you need to get a manager in here who has the talent, the skills, the tactics, the vision to get the most out of the players, to put the best players out there. And for the players like, like Delhi, who are clearly very talented and aren't performing well, you need somebody to figure them out. Um, there's a great uh, uh, interview with Potter a couple months ago now where he was talking about how he, he it's almost like a psychology thing. Um, you know, he, he looks at the mental health of the players. He looks at, you know, how they are up here, you know, in their head and not just performing on the field. And he tries to, to, to manage the players, right. As a manager. Um, if we had somebody like that, I think maybe we'd be in a better spot, but again, I don't think Nuno's the guy, his tactics suck. I just don't see him getting anything out of, out of the players. And it's only a matter of time, I think, before that dressing room turns on him, if they haven't already. Very interesting, Steve. You're making me think a couple things. Um, one, you're making me think of Tomas Frank at, at Brentford and what he does and how he does it. You're making me think of uh, Wendy's perpetual comments on uh, on Potter um, championing him from the, the beginning. But yeah, it's it's very clear that Nuno's not the guy long-term and and who the person's going to be is going to be uh, a really interesting guy? hire. Who's looking real nice right now? My guy was Bruno Bruno, Bruno with the Wolves. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Your guy Bruno Lage too. Yeah, I don't know. Exciting to watch. I don't know. Another Wolves manager? Is that is that where you want to go? Like, I'm not I'm not sure if that's. Uh, what well, I'm Jesus do. Christ, he wasn't a Wolves manager <laughs> when I suggested it before true. before Jose was even gone. Very very true. Hey, uh, we we've been we've been dwelling on this one for a while, but it's been healthy. I think we don't normally do this this late in the game. We're actually approaching. The conclusion of our recording but we got a couple things to do that are both important one is our favorite segment hey mike what you drinking so we're going to get to that mike's excited and then we're going to get to closing thoughts boys so be thinking ahead about what your uh what your closing thoughts are but for now hey mike what you drinking ah today boys uh since we went um last week we went with steve's uh safe space um which we maybe i guess should have saved for today um <laughs> Steve, Steve appreciated us, us. We're going with the old. We're going with the old school pills to pay the bills from Litherman's Limited in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. Um, it's a 4.0 ABV. Uh, it's in a can. Um, it, it's got it's got pretty cool art. Like I said before, it's got uh, three friends of the brewery on the front. They're dressed up kind of like the Beastie Boys. In front of a fake, uh, a fake like inner city fence with, it says pills to pay the bills and kind of graffiti writing. So we're gonna open this up. I don't know if this ever comes through that noise, but that sounded great. Um, I'm gonna pour it into a pilsner glass because it's a pills. These glasses belong to my uh, to my grandmother, my Italian grandmother, um, who passed away a few years back. But she was like 94 years old when she passed away. And she gave me these glasses. They're really, really super cool. They're like 10 ounce glasses, but it's like a, it's a V-shaped old school Pilsner glass. Those so, are cool. Yeah, I know. It's really nice. They're really solid glasses too. And this is uh, described as an American Pilsner. And my God, it looks like a Budweiser. Mike, what's the brewery on that? Litherman's Limited. Litherman's Limited. Trying to look it up as you're, uh, you're doing this. It's not too bad. You know, I know nobody cares, but uh, I found the nice 1975 cans. Oh. So nasty Gansett. It. it looks like, like an old it looks like an old Meisterbrow can. You know, that, that's the vibe <laughs> you got going there. It's got so this thing, this beer says uh, this is fucking embarrassing i can't believe they put this in the back of a can <laughs> a well a well a well a well welcome back it says 
Good Lord. Yeah. Pills to Pay the Bills is a classic American pilsner brewed with both Magnum and Saz hops. Okay, those are those are really German, but that's okay. Uh, to create a clean, dry, and refreshing beer. And then it goes on to rap again. Oh, no. <laughs> so get off your ass and fill up your glass up to the top to the very last drop. What, what? Um, it says it says what what at the end no i added that oh, because you added uh, that okay i think they're being so fucking corny yeah i can't believe this uh it says letherman's limited to the concord new hampshire based nano brewery the place was pretty fucking big for a nano brewery focused on bringing you musical spins on classical styles how much can you carry um so i did i did tell you uh last week that my wife and I had a whole bunch of beers from there. Uh, we just did tasters and none of them were good. <laughs> so, so expectations but I loved, are sufficiently low. Yeah, we're, we're setting things real, real low. So here we go. Cheers. Godspeed. It's, it smells like a Pilsner, so. It looks like what we drank in college, to be honest with you. Soapy. No, I mean it's it's light, it's bubbly, it's it's a fizzy yellow beer like you'd expect. It's way lighter than than a typical pilsner. Um, you can see right through. You can see my big fat nose and my beard through it. Um, <laughs> it's not terrible. I, I I think I could drink one or two of these um, and not completely throw up. Um, I'm not going to say that it's it's the best pilsner I've ever had, but I mean. You can taste the Saz hops. Saz hops always have that <clears throat> that kind of bite at the end. Um, they're used typically in German beers. Um, Magnum Saz hops are, are both German hops. Um, they're used in German beers because of the German purity laws that they have. So, I mean, it's a good beer. Uh, it's, it's fine enough. Uh, out of five, I'll, I'll give it a three. It's not undrinkable like the rest of their beers. The the it doesn't taste over yeast overly yeasty like the rest of their beers were. So um maybe I should have tried this. Well, they didn't have this on tap. They only had this in cases and cases and cases along their walls. It was really strange. They had cases of beers. So I grabbed this four pack. I said, I gotta get something from here because I'm gonna have to review something on the show. <laughs> So I, 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 I don't mind it. It's okay. All right. Three out of five. Don't mind it. It's okay. It's not, not terrible. Maybe I got to give it, a, I'll give it a 2.5. I can't give it a three. I can't All give right. it, a, I can't give it a three. So we've it's adjusted. It's not that great. We're going 50th percentile on this one. Basically. Yeah, it's not that great. I can't give it a three. All right. Fair enough. So that was pills to pay the bills from Litherman's Limited in Concord, New Hampshire, right? Okay. It's a three. We'll say three. Wow. wow, he went back to the three. All right, very good. Well, hey, that's been our, our latest episode of Hey Mike, What You Drinking? A uh, little bit of back and forth nature to that, but we're all good. So thanks, Mike. <laughs> Appreciate it. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, Steve, your thoughts as we go away from this recording, what are your takeaways? Or what are your uh, your closing thoughts? Um, well, we better beat fucking Burnley tomorrow because I'm going to lose my shit if we get bounced from a, I think that's a competition um, to fucking Burnley of all teams. Like that's just like, that's Newcastle level. That's a team where at the absolute bare minimum right now, you should be beating them. Um, they just have I, not been good this season. I, I watched Burnley Southampton over the weekend and it, it, it was an ugly affair. It really, really was. Yeah. We lose this game. I'm going to lose my shit. The man United game this weekend, um, which I'm super stoked to, to go to Goodwater and, and at least catch with Mike uh, and some of the other guys from uh, new England Spurs um, that one. And I, I'll just repeat my thoughts that I shared with you when we set this thing up, if we win, I'll be crying into my beer. Cause it just gives Nuno some more time. If we lose, I'll be crying into my beer because uh, I saw this coming, you know, weeks ago when I said exactly that we would end up losing to United and it would be embarrassing. And um, yeah, I'm not feeling super confident about that, even with their poor run of form, even with Pogba out uh, for our, from that stupid red card he got himself. 
Um, it just, that, that one has, you know, Harry Maguire playing like a world-class defender written all over it. Like that's the game he's going to step up and just never put a foot wrong, lock down our entire offensive unit by himself. Um, and then Ronaldo is just going to show up and, and just start scoring goals for fun. Um, uh, because he hasn't really done that yet. So why not break your duck against Spurs, really? You know, get that first hat trick back in the Premier League. That's just, I, I am not feeling good about this. So at the very least, please, for the love of God, beat Burnley tomorrow. That's, if if we beat Burnley and lose to United, I'll at least feel numb. You know, not great, but numb. Uh, <laughs> what we record next. If we get another shot at the Carabao Cup. <laughs> If this we, is where we are. Steve is seeking to feel at least numb. That Those are his aspirations. If we lose both, I'm just going to have to record with like whiskey or something next week because I don't think beer is going to cut it. Steve, you were a lot lot of fun when we recorded with whiskey a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. We, we Next week could be a bourbon episode, no matter the outcome at all. We could just, we could just go oh, with that. That could be fun. We'll, we'll see yeah. how it goes. <laughs> all right, Mike, how about you? What are your uh, closing thoughts? So uh, my closing thoughts are these. Um, we better not play with a, rotate, a heavily rotated squad tomorrow like we did in Europe um, because Burnley will beat us and it will be fucking embarrassing. Um, it's, it's like being the good team in high school, you know, and every time you go to play an away game, they're having their fucking homecoming, right? <laughs> That's a great like, example. If if Burnley were to beat Tottenham, they could beat the Tottenham the the Tottenham U18s, and and they would play it off like they, you know, like they trounced fucking Harry Kane, you know, and and Gareth Bale and 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 Musa Dembele and and whatever and and Luka Modric and whatever ever legendary Spurs player you can drop, they're gonna act like they they just won the fucking Premier League, so. And Burnley's a they're they're a rough and tumble team for some for some reason. I just looked this up. They've never had a red card at Turf Moor. Never. 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 Yeah, I just looked that up. I, I it's funny. I I I, I typed in uh, I typed in Burnley, and the first the first thing that came up in the Google search was why is Burnley so bad? <laughs> That's the first thing. All I typed in was Burnley, and it came up. Why is Burnley so bad? Um, so I mean, we should beat them. Um, I don't. I don't. I think Nuno will have learned from his mistake there. Um, and then for being so sad tomorrow, I, I'm telling you right now, Steve. Um, it's going to be two nil, two nil. I'm calling two nil, good guys. You're calling that two nil, good guys. Um, All right. You said something that just got me thinking. Rough and tumble. Man, I miss Robbie Keane. That, <laughs> there was a dude who could fucking score and just put on a show with his celebrations. <laughs> Love that guy. Man, we could use him right about now. I know he's like in his 40s, but I'm sure he'd still be better than Kane right now. My next thing is that uh, Manchester United, um, I can't wait to meet with you guys and, and have a great time and have a couple of drinks and... Um, Hopefully Steve will get his uh, cheese sauce that he loves so much. And um, I am going to try and convince our, our good friend of the pod here, Kamal, to, to come because the last time uh, that happened, he showed up and uh, we won. What was it? Five, five to one? Six, um, one. six, one, six, one. Right. Yeah. Six, one. Forgot that last one. That feels um, like ages ago, doesn't it? That feels it was, like such it a long was time. only a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, so Hopefully Kamal uh, agrees to come and, and hang out and wear his red uh, in, in, a, in a sea of lily white and blue. Um, but um, I can say that um, I did score my first goal uh, this past week. Tell us um, about the competition, Mike. Who'd you score your first goal against? It was, uh, I tell you, it was against one of the most tenacious teams of eight and nine-year-olds uh, maybe in the history of the game, um, maybe since since Harry Harry Winks was a, was an eight year old at Tottenham, um, but 
I scored a goal. I did my celebration. I mean, I popped it right up over the top of my son. My son likes to dabble in goal every once in a while, even though he's a uh, three foot nothing. Um, the kid can jump and dive. It's crazy. He's got he's got these weird these weird hops. Uh, kind of like his well, Dave likes to call him his namesake, uh, Lucas Mora. He's got these crazy crazy hops. I don't know where he gets them from, but he's he's a little dude. But uh, I popped it over the top of him, and then I. Uh, ran and did my little sunny knee slide <laughs> i'm just i'm envisioning you like like billy madison playing dodgeball with the kids at the elementary school do you, do you remember it was, that it was like, super that's... funny because like there was a point where i'm looking at some of the parents going man these are eight and nine year old kids we're playing a little too hard aren't we you know i'm letting balls go through my legs going oh i missed it oh man you know and the next thing i know some parent comes up from behind me and just rips the ball away from his his you know son and uh it and takes it around the side and he's doing all these kind of kick flips and stuff and you know all these like he's back in high school you know he's like and he scores a goal and says to me i'm living out my glory days i never touched the field in high school <laughs> so i was like jesus christ he's wearing shin guards and stuff and i'm like we're playing against a bunch of eight and nine year olds <laughs> He goes wearing my sneakers in the mud challenge. <laughs> oh man. It, but it was a good time. The, the, the kids uh, seemed to have a good time. Uh, everybody got a little muddy. It was raining. It, it, we all had great time. And, and I love the end of the end of the year celebrations, uh, especially in the rack league, because, um, because not all of those kids are out there to play soccer. They're out there to be social and, and, and gain some, uh, some more social skills and, and meet w- with a bunch of kids that they have a good time with in school, or maybe that they wouldn't have, you know, been paired with at school. So that's why I love the rec league. You know, some of these kids aren't actual like out there to be soccer players, you know, and some are. So rec leagues like, was, are great for that kind of a thing. Was that Saturday that you, you put that one in the net? That was Friday. That was Friday. Friday. I'm comfortable calling Friday evening the weekend. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think I think we just got our uh, our pod title. I think it's going to be Mike scored this weekend. Spurs didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to run with that. that that's that's going to be lovely. Thank you, Dave. Hey, on that note, uh, this has been Wicked Spursy to to our listeners. We appreciate you, Mike and Steve. I appreciate you both as well. Thanks for uh, thanks for engaging for another hour of fun. And uh, as always, come on, you Spurs. Uh, stay on top of those vaccines, make good decisions and be kind to other people. All those things that we tell our kids, we have to tell ourselves as adults now too. So uh, thanks everybody for your time. Have a good one. Be safe. Later.